Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon. And I'm Marcus Dillon. And this podcast is Who's Really the Boss, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Hey, welcome back to All Things Retreat or Team Retreat. Glad to be back. It's a, it's a great conversation. Love retreats and what those are and how they, on the other side of those retreats, how much fun uh, we had and happy to share, um, you know, our experience with them with others. Yeah. So today uh, is part two of retreats. So if anyone has missed part one, we talked about the who, what, why of team retreats on part one. And then part two, we're going to talk about how. So a little bit more about how to host a retreat, how to hold a retreat, how to plan for a retreat. Uh, So let's start with your favorite, maybe retreat. I won't say memory. I'll say favorite retreat activity. There's so many. And we go back to food so many times and the, the fun that occurs in between sessions in between days is what I enjoy the most, honestly. And so typically what our retreats look like or have looked like here recently are people will come into town maybe the night before, uh, be at the office kind of the next day. So we'll try to get in some type of social that night before for people who are either coming into town or who are local, that's a meal. Um, so it's good to see them in that sense. And then in between the two days, so they may come in on a Wednesday afternoon, be here Wednesday night, Thursday's day one of the retreat. And then Friday is kind of the half day of the retreat. And then we release people to go home, uh, midday or travel back. And so that Thursday night is always my, uh, the most fun because typically we invite spouses to come if they either came into town or they're local, it's just a bigger party than what we've already had the the day before the day of. So that is my favorite and getting around a table together, catching up with, you know, really friends and uh, seeing how things are going. This last time we went to a really, you know, new good Mexican restaurant and sat right behind what we didn't know was a stage. And then mid uh, dinner, the, uh, the band came out and started rocking. So that was a pretty cool memory. Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. And uh, just some of the other things that we have done, and we'll touch on this. So these are activities outside of the retreat day. So night before retreat starts, and then the night of the first day of retreat, those we usually hold one as like a team dedicated. So just staff and team members come. And then the second night, we usually invite spouses to join. So if they've brought anybody with them or if they're local for their spouses to come as well. So that's a lot of fun. So we've done like the pottery painting um, during that time. We've done dinners out uh, at restaurants. Uh, bowling is another great idea for that one that's real um easy, like low barrier to entry and to have fun. So um, those are all good ideas of things that could be done at night. We've also done uh, wine bingo. So there's a winery close to us that hosts bingo on Thursday nights. So it just 
happened to work out that it was um, on a Thursday. And that's typically a day of the week that we have retreats. So um, yeah, those are really cool. I think uh, my favorite memory, I think my favorite activity from retreats that we've done so far on our day two, we typically only do a half day because Fridays for Dylan CPAs is usually only until 1 p.m. And so we try to hold true to that. And so what we did, we brought in a massage therapist to the office. She did 10 minute chair massages um, one at a time. And the rest of the team, we were all in a room together and wrote uh, a note card to the team member who was actually out of the room getting the massage just things that we value about that person and why that person is amazing. And so then when we left that day of retreat, we all took home, I think it was probably seven or eight notes um, about how awesome we are from the people that we do life with every day. And I thought that was um, a really fun idea. Yeah, no, that was good. And that was totally your idea. Um, the, the masseuse, we've had them come in multiple times and, when we were in office, uh, that was kind of a nice, you know, mid busy season kind of treat. The retreat now is kind of a cool way to incorporate that person in uh, as well. Um, so yeah, really cool stuff. There's so many good activities and uh, there'd want, be one that we had mentioned earlier where it was a, um, a scavenger hunt that we sent them on with budget to go buy things and, um, you know, ultimately create being together in a car, being creative about what could exist as far as like the different type of lunch um, was really, really cool. Yeah. So we'll just talk a little bit through that because it was, it was a really fun activity, but it was a really good lesson that came out of that. And so yeah. the activity, we broke our team into small teams of three or four. They had, I think only like $25 each I believe. And we're told that they had to get a list of like three things. Um, and it was something that represented a similarity between all four of them on the team, something maybe that represented Dylan CPAs, and then also a food item for lunch. And so each team, and we didn't really give any parameters. We said, yes, there will be prizes at the end, but we didn't say for what. So they didn't know if they were trying to be the fastest to come back, if they were trying to spend the least amount of money, if they were trying to have the most creative uh, symbolic items that they were bringing back, they really had no idea. Um, and so they kind of just each went on their own way and came back. Um, and it was, it was fun and we had plenty of food. Um, lunch was awesome. Uh, Kinley, I think had done desserts, so they didn't have to worry about dessert. It was a really good time, but what they didn't do was they, there were no rules. So they could have all talked and pulled their money and all ordered from one place and just had like a really awesome meal and taken pictures of symbolic things or just you know, Google pictures and had that and not even bought actual items for some for the symbolic things for the other two parts. And so it was just something that at the end was like, oh, if we had called our, all of our team members together and say, hey, what do y'all want to do for lunch? We can get this. We can get this, you know, whatever. And so just a really cool lesson on teamwork and working together and how you know, whenever you have everybody's ideas all together. And again, it was, it was intentional that they didn't have any rules or parameters, but it was a, it was a lot of fun on, 
just the activities and the ideas they came up with and the memories that they made being out together and trying to rush around, not even really knowing what they were trying to accomplish, except that they knew they wanted to eat something for lunch when they came back. So it was a fun day. Yeah. And I think it ultimately went to the, the end all be all was around, around communication and how different people communicate and how we as a team, different forms of communication and communication needs to be interweaved to everything you do. And so then I think we had four or five different teams that went their own ways and they could have gone to one of our favorite Mexican food restaurants and had a really nice fajita lunch and brought that back. But instead we kind of had this, uh, potluck almost feel, uh, which was cool too. Um, but either way it was a good learning experience. We, we, I'm sure we got Lupe tortilla, another time and it all made up for it. So. <laughs> I'm sure we had it at some point during that retreat, yeah. just not that one. Um, all right. And so today we really are talking about how to put on a retreat, how to plan. On our last episode, we talked through thinking about what you want your team to take away from the experience, to take away from the day, day and a half, two days that you are not doing billable client work. And so um, I think that is one of the first considerations. Once you know what you want them to take away, then decide how much time are you going to allow for the retreat. And so it can be done in a day. It could be done in a day and a half. It could be done in two full days. So I think that really um, lends itself to where are your people coming from? What's the best use of time if they're traveling far? Do you want to limit it to only one day or does it make more sense to um, have more activities, have more learning? Uh, It changes maybe what you're talking about if you have it over multiple days, but definitely make sure it makes sense if you're spending budget to bring people in. Yeah, I I think the two days worked for us because like you said, you're bringing people in, um, even though they may have to set up childcare or some other thing, it's, it's kind of a break for them, hopefully too, because it is geared toward a little, toward a little bit more fun. It's less technical. Um, I think most people look forward to it. Um, and just how, how you set that up, even, the sessions that you have day one, you can kind of come back to those sessions day two and make sure that you clarify or add any additional um, kind of coverage that is needed to really hammer home like what you wanted the retreat, what the goal of retreat was and what you wanted them to to be their takeaway. Um, With people like just being around one another and so they're gonna get that either way. and I think that's that's part of it. That's you have to allow for those those good breaks, so that they're not all just thinking or or having a creative hat on or sitting listening. You know, there there should be evenly divided up like throughout the day to keep them engaged in the whole scheme of things. Yeah, and so let's talk through some of the takeaways that we have wanted from our retreats. So I guess some of the main themes of our retreats, um, what are some of the ones that you remember that we've kind of geared towards? As far as themes or as far as Mm -hmm. like the end goal? Not themes like, is it Fiesta or cruise ships or anything like that, but like actual 
ideas and learning that we wanted people to take away from those days. So I think the last few ones, as our team has grown, it's really just what does what does success look like? And you have to say, what does success look like for the business as far as like the numbers? Uh, what does revenue need to look like? What are our goals around revenue? What does that mean? Like, it's not just so Marcus and Rachel or any other owners can do more cool things personally. It's like, so how we can help more people, bring more people to the team, like create, just continue creating a great organization. So um, that's, that's part of it. That's part of the, like what I lead as my role. And, and so that's what I'm familiar with. Um, also what, what it looks like, what success looks like in their team. Like, so how the team of three should be serving the client, how that should be working. So you kind of boil it down from what the whole business looks like success wise, what the team of three looks like success wise, and then what their individual role looks like from a success standpoint. So uh, we try to hit on all three of those um, and be really intentional about those. And then even this last time we rolled out, Hey, this is some, um, you know, a scorecard, if you will, um, to, to kind of keep you in line. It's not, you're not going to be graded like, a, like, you're not going to keep score, but it's like, here is kind of some easily parameters to kind of keep things in perspective as far as timelines around, um, you know, turning around projects and things of that nature. Uh, we do have, we hold a high standard uh, for client care and just making sure that everyone is in the organization. Everyone's like seeing that and consistent and can kind of repeat it back to us. That's success. And um, those are what I remember the most right now. You weave in some personal learning about yourself and, and things, but, um, here recently, the, what I've been tasked with, what I remember the, the most is just sharing like benchmarks and goals from a firm perspective. So, yeah, so we have some t takeaways that we have, uh, implemented or woven into some of our retreats definitely goals. So firm goals, team goals are always discussed. Um, we always look back on previous goals and the progress that we've made on those, the achievements and accomplishments and celebrate that. So that is always um, out of every retreat, celebrating our accomplishments and um, looking at new goals. Some other topics that we thought were important that we weren't sure that every single team member completely knew um, in their core and, and felt it and lived it. Our mission for Dillon CPAs, we actually ended up scrapping like our old mission statement and coming up with a new one um, together with some team members and then really working on that, working on learning it um, and exactly what it meant, what it meant with inside our firm, what it means to our clients, what it means to each team member individually. So that was a big one. Our service offerings was huge. A lot of people, if they worked in tax, they didn't necessarily know what the boss service offerings were. If they worked in accounting um, and monthly accounting services, they didn't necessarily know what our tax offerings were um, and what that looked like uh, as far as from who, who handles that, who talks to prospects. It was really a whole lot of the things that we thought just people would naturally know 
they didn't necessarily have a good grasp on. So they they knew it, they had heard it, but to be able to explain it to someone else, they weren't quite there. And then just like you um, really highlighted were the roles and responsibilities of each team member and how that contributes to the overall value um, that we provide to clients. So those are just some takeaways. Um, other things that we've talked about, of course, technology processes within the firm. So just looking at what are some challenges or what are some things that you think people should know and they don't know within, if they're in our organization, they should know this, but when you ask about it, they don't have a good handle on what that might be. Those are all good things to look at, um, kind of centering your retreat around. Yeah. Um, one, you try to keep attention, uh, because, one thing that we've tried to do throughout retreats is um, we don't have to blatantly tell people, hey, no, no laptops, don't have your email out. You're not trying to do client work on the day of. Um, you see people drift back to like their phones. You don't know if that's like a personal, you know, maybe emergency. Hopefully they're not scrolling Facebook when you're up there kind of going over goals for the year. But um, I think it does need to have like a, a little bit of, um, hey, this is dedicated time. Like, and part of that respect that goes into that. So I think it's kind of setting the stage for these couple of days, even though some of it may feel, um, you know, touchy feely or why, why do I need to take time out of my day, out of my life to do some of this? It does go a long way. So, it, and even some of the activities, like you, you had mentioned, like a painting party and some of those things, like wouldn't necessarily be on my radar of like what I enjoy doing, but I'm there with people that I, that I, I know and love and, you know, you're spending time together. It's really not about the activity or the takeaway. It's about just being there. So I think you have to do some work before the retreat to kind of let people know about like how to set, how to set aside time, how to prepare for that, just like you would be out of the office for a couple of days. And so getting, you know, whether it's payrolls or accounting or tax projects to a good spot, because you're not going to be able to log in and do that because this other stuff is important um, as a team. Yeah. And so just a little bit, let's, let's just move on then to how we structure the day to make sure that it is engaging and that it is um, productive. So engaging and productive are kind of how we want that day to go. And then we layer in, okay, what are the learning opportunities that we want people to have during that time? And so we always start the day with breakfast. Um, that's one less thing for people to worry about. And especially if you have a remote team who's now trying to travel and drive to an office or people from out of town, you don't, you, you want to remove all, um, I guess, anxiety or all types of places that might cause people to be late or, you know, just in a rush because you do want the day, the best learning environment is going to be a calm, relaxed, um, kind of predictable uh, place. And that allows people to really relax and learn and contribute instead of thinking about too many other things or having distractions. So we typically start with breakfast. We typically start with a team builder or an icebreaker. These have been anything from just questions that are answered. 
I like to have people stand up and get moving around the room. So whether it's just breaking them into teams to answer things or doing a would you rather and you move from one side of the room to the other based on what your answer is. And so really just trying to get people up, get people moving, get people comfortable with the um, environment that they're in, since likely it's different than what they do on a normal daily basis for work. Uh, and then after that, we structure in blocks of learning time. And I think really important, and I'll get your feedback on this um, for sure, but I think really important is to not put a block of learning time more than an hour and a half. And in that hour and a half, the someone speaking, like someone just talking and other people listening cannot be more than 30 minutes. There has to be some kind of interactive, engaging. Um, usually we talk about something whole group for 15, 20, 25 minutes, and then we break up into smaller groups to digest that, to uh, come up with questions that we still have on that. And so what are your thoughts as far as um, blocks of time that you want to learn? And especially if you're having other leaders, like how much time should they prepare for if they're leading like a section? How much should they? So I think an hour and a half is spot on. Um, 30 minutes is great because if they're if they're up there for 30 minutes, you probably lost half the people and they're probably just talking unless it's more of a Q&A or round table kind of discussion uh, that may be a different or a town hall where you're kind of taking questions and, and going that way. But um, for the most part, you're going to have you're going to break your day, like you said, into four or five main hour and a half blocks. And so when you're structuring the retreat, you kind of build into those, like what are the what are the four or five or maybe six, because one's one or two have fallen over the next day. What are those four to six big rock goals that you want to take away? And uh, those can be a variety of different things. Um, what we've done is like you mentioned, we had other leaders besides ourselves kind of present and even other people, other team members that are just passionate about things. And that, that helps because it's not the same voice throughout the day. It kind of helps break things up. It keeps things interesting. Um, obviously everybody's just a peer in that room and there, there should not be, Hey, I don't want to say anything because it may sound dumb or anything like that because I, I take that, you know, early on in the day, I'll probably say something real dumb real fast. And then that eases the room for the rest of the day. So, but I think that participation, 30 minutes is great. Um, you don't want to go much further than that, but even in that 30 minutes as a leader, you're probably preparing two to three weeks out from like trying to get, trying to get together what you're going to say, maybe spending, I don't know, three to four hours, really, really hammering home, like, trying to get your hands around what you want to convey in that hour and a half time frame, 30 minutes of it being speaking the rest of the hour, whether it's some type of activity to reinforce what you've spoken about or kind of a Q and a session to, to kind of clarify maybe what you're speaking about or what you're rolling out. And it may come along with handouts or takeaways or some type of presentation. So that's also factored in that time. But I think you're spot on with the hour and a half not being any more than that. 
Yeah. And I, I think that's a generous amount of time as far as preparation needed. Um, usually the people that you choose to talk about something at that is something that they do day in and day out. Yeah. They know it really well uh, or they're, pa they're passionate about it. And so likely it, it may not take that much time to prepare. Uh, maybe an hour to two hours would probably be plenty because it doesn't have to be anything uh, professional, most likely uh, that they're that they're doing, but um, definitely there does have to be preparation and planning. You don't necessarily want anyone shooting off the hip when you've um, taken time, two days worth of billable time, and flown people, paid for hotels, rental cars, whatever might have to take place to host a retreat. Um, some some good ideas during that time. So during a uh, information session where most of the team is sitting and listening and maybe one or two people are presenting is to always give the listeners a job. So whether they are looking for one to two key takeaways from what that person says and they have sticky notes and they're writing that down or every person has to come up with at least one question that they still have. Um, having any anything, any kind of hand movements, hand signs, so whether you're doing thumbs up or thumbs down, if they understand something or like something, or if that applies to them, uh, if you're having um, some questions during your actual presentation and they have some kind of sheet of paper or a paddle that's red and green, but something where they're engaged and interacting during that time will help them not have a chance to scroll <laughs> on their phone, on their social media. Um, and so really it's just, it's just not realistic to have somebody have full attention for an hour and a half. So the 20 to 30 minutes that someone's speaking and presenting, and then the rest of that time is applying that learning. So making sure that whatever information that's being given out can be applied to each person that's in the room and that they have a chance to work that out, to process that for themselves on how does this apply to me? What does this mean for me? Do I need to change the way I'm doing something to make this apply to me? Or do I have ideas of how I'm already doing this that could help others in the room be able to implement this as well? Yeah. So I think we've kind of laid out, you've got four to six, depending on how long. I think probably four main sessions, day one, right? Um, You've got breakfast and then in between every session, leave yourself plenty of time for restroom breaks to get more food because we all love food and drink. Um, the other thing that you've done really well and incorporated into retreats are fun things like games and giveaways and prizes. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and how those can kind of segue to make the whole day feel like it kind of comes together? Absolutely. And so what we've done for our games, um, it's, a lot of those are the actual takeaways or the learning blocks that we want. And so instead of giving that information in lecture or PowerPoint or um, Canva presentation form, we do that in the form of a game. So we have taken like Dylan CPA's history and done a Jeopardy where we put in just fun facts about Dylan CPAs, you know, from beginning to end, everything from, you know, year that it was started to um, average price per client to how many clients, how many employee, 
employees, different things about the organization. And then usually that's done in team format. And so then we have little prizes for the team. Other things we do are just show up prizes. So door prizes just for being in the room and that, you know, really people put their name in a cup and we draw those out. And when we say prizes, these are anywhere from $5 to $20 prizes. Um, Typically for retreat, nothing over that because we want to make sure lots of people have opportunities to win. And so gift cards to Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, insulated cups, coffee mugs, uh, notebooks, note pads, pens, uh, just, you know, fun, fun little gift things that don't cost a whole lot, uh, but, you know, make people feel special and uh, awarded for their achievements for sure during that day. Yeah, I think you've set up the day really good. Um, so our typical retreats start promptly at either nine or 830. I think 830 is what we put that way people can kind of start cycling in get breakfast and then we're we're ready to go at nine and then you know the hour and a half sessions if those are four let's say um that's you know a good six hours plus lunch plus break so it's a full day and we leave kind of a, a q a or almost like an open session kind of towards the end as a buffer um but that way people are engaged they have a full day of stuff to do and typically we try to release people three to four um because that last session isn't like a full session um just so if they're if we're if we're meeting later that day or that night and they got to go home deal with kids get kids where they need to go grab a spouse make the spouse put on a nice clean shirt and actually come to dinner put together um then they're back kind of all together by seven, seven thirty. Yeah, and some some feedback, and let's just talk through some feedback that we've had from retreats over the years. Some feedback that we've gotten is always leave time for organic conversations. Mm -hmm. So that's where we've worked in the breaks, the lunches, the breakfasts that aren't working lunches. <laughs> They're not working breakfast, um, but actually where people can uh, visit. That same feedback is what prompted us to do the evening events so that people have more time to be together and just visit or talk through things that they otherwise wouldn't um, since they are able to be face-to-face. -face. Uh, other feedback that we've gotten is time to process the new learning. So that's where we've taken, okay, if we're gonna talk for 20, 30 minutes to learn about something, then we also need to give a, probably equal that amount of time, at least 30 minutes to process with a smaller group of people, um, just like we mentioned before. And so you don't necessarily have to fill every single minute with learning. And I think that that is probably what intimidates most people as they're planning, like, what are we going to talk about for two full days? How am I going to fill, you know, 16 hours worth of time? It's, it's really not that. Um, probably it's two hours <laughs> worth of actual talking. The rest of the time is the team talking and the team working. So we've done even where we wanted to let the team know more about the services and kind of each of our uh, departments will say within the business um, tax versus accounting, know what the other side is doing and how that operates. And so we had them uh, break up into teams and 
do a presentation. They could have chose PowerPoint or created something on paper or a skit or a commercial. And actually both teams ended up doing sort of a skit to explain. And I think the team learned probably more from that than pulling up our website and talking about this is what boss basic is. This is what boss uh, standard and, um, you know, what each person does. It was uh, much more beneficial, both from the team working it out to what do we do? How do we condense this into a really short skit? Um, and the other people watching and like, oh, that's how that works. That's who does that. That's the process of what we're doing. So it was really yeah. good. So I think after after you've set, you know, kind of what you're you start with the end in mind. So what do you want people to walk away with? You work backwards and kind of build out that session of four to six for us, four to six. And then what do you want those days to look like? Do you want them to be kind of two half days where there's an event from kind of afternoon on? Or do you want a heavier day, which is what we've kind of done in the past with a evening event? And then the second day is really shorter. I could see some people, especially if like you're traveling, you're not going to want to set up in a conference room for eight hours a day. So maybe you just do a morning session, lunch together, and then you're on the beach or doing whatever in the afternoon. And that would be a pretty cool um, retreat. The, uh, the other thing, the other feedback that we've learned over these doing these retreats is the time of year to do these retreats. So I think you, you try to align goals early in the year, like the beginning of the year, if you can. So um, in our business, we have uh, a busier time of year from really January, it starts through April. And unfortunately, that's the beginning of the year. So if you're trying to get people aligned and keep them going in the same direction, it's beneficial to kind of maybe give up some of that time during those precious moments, whenever year ends are closing and things in January. And so that was what we had historically done. And you want to kind of talk through where we're at today and trying to think through even like what our next year end or beginning of year retreat looks like. Yeah. And so we have uh, just in the accounting industry, we have year end that happens in January. So year end close, we have 1099s and W2s that happen during that time. And then we also have the beginning of tax season that happens during that time. So a lot of times there will be a tax, um, like continuing education conference that maybe happens at the very beginning of January. We have sales tax and financials that are needing to go out in 1099s that have like a January 31st at the latest due date. And so we have played around with retreats in January at the beginning, in the middle, towards the end. And what we are going to do this year, 2022, we are actually going to move that um, beginning of the year retreat to December. So we will set out our goals for 2023. We will talk through uh, processes and strategies and, and things like that and do our team building in December and, and give back those days in January that we would typically use. And so while it, it, may, be, it may be huge and it, and it may not be huge, at least we are 
trying something different because we want January to be better for our team. And so we just know that there's a lot of volume of work in January that's not necessarily there in other months of the year. And so we think that that will be a, a good substitution or a good tweak to our retreat schedule. And it also allows us to do the one of the night events as our Christmas party and ensure that we have all of the team here that can possibly be here together. So instead of trying to remote someone in for a Christmas celebration, we'll actually get to be all face to face for that. Yeah. So I, I think that's we're already planning that December event in May. Right. And I think that's the other thing to, to keep in mind is when, how far out do you plan these retreats? Um, and we're also going to do a retreat toward mid year. And for us, that means kind of the end part of summer, because most people are, are, are not on vacation. Kids are going back to school because, uh, school is the best form of childcare for most of our team. And, um, that that's also going to happen in August. So we kind of, you're spreading some things out. So we're in the season of planning for both the August and the December retreats, but what would your recommendation be on when you really start kind of putting this together? So beginning planning, I would say starts three to six months prior to when you want to have the event. And that really is based on if you need to book venues as far as like bowling or restaurants or even conference uh, rooms or hotels, things like that, making sure that they have dates available that you want to do it. And then putting together um, just a very rough outline. So in that, I would say four or five months prior, that's when we start thinking about the takeaways that we want to happen and then start considering the people who would be best to lead and be a part of that retreat. So not, not making a PowerPoint presentation or even a, a game format that far in advance, um, but definitely starting the groundwork for that retreat, I would say three to six months ahead of time. Yeah. The other thing that we've seen and the other feedback that we've gotten is from new team members. And we were very fortunate to have a couple of new team members start right when retreat was about to happen. We'll have that again this year because we have already a, a team member that's going to start in August right before our other retreat will happen. And so uh, we're doing some planning, right? And kind of know when we're onboarding new team members based on, you know, team members that we have in the pipeline as far as um, coming on board to our, to, you know, do good work for clients. But what would you say the biggest takeaway is for those team members and the feedback they gave because they started right before retreat? Yeah, because that was one of their first experiences, they were able to build relationships with the people they would be working with. That breaks down barriers for them asking for help, asking for questions, asking for clarification. Um, on anything. So that way they know these people and they feel comfortable and confident to go to them for anything. The other thing, they really get um, a much better look, a deeper understanding of our mission, our values, our services that we offer, the processes that we do, because in their first week, there is so much new for them as far as getting their technology set up and username and passwords and softwares that we use. 
they're really, their brain is only able to absorb the things that they have to know and other things just kind of get forgotten or get lost because there's just so much information to learn, you know, in your first week or so at a new company. And so then being able to come back and hear this again, to be a part of it, actively participating in it, not just listening to something, not just reading something, um, but really understanding uh, and seeing all of the other people uh, in the room and how how they live out the values of the firm and how they contribute. Uh, it's, it's just huge for that new team member. Yeah, I think our last retreat we had, uh, was it more than 50% new in the room compared to our previous retreat? Um, so I think even though we had added people throughout the year, we had a couple new team members that started right before retreat that kind of were indoctrinated, I guess, at that time. Um, so that's one thing that you also have to keep in mind is that there's probably no inside language that needs to occur at retreat. It probably needs to be um, very, very high level. If you've said it before, you probably need to say it again because it may be a different group of people that was at the previous retreat or meeting. And we just kind of have to remind ourselves of that every time we go into one of these events because of at the pace that we're growing and adding new team members that it, it helps for them to hear what a previous you know group has heard. And so there is some duplication uh, retreat over retreat. And after you kind of build out the template for one, it, it's a lot easier to just tweak it or modify it for your next one. And uh, you brought up a really good point. Like there's, there are businesses out there and there are potentially um, where they hire like seasonal. Um, so maybe they've got like a group of interns or a, a crop of new employees starting at one season or another. And so that, that would probably be a great time to do a retreat because like you said, that knocks down the barriers of entry to ask for help immediately causes relationship and bonding. And I think back to like, my days as an intern at a big four accounting firm. And, and that was easily identifiable, like built in because those relationships are what keeps you around whenever the work isn't the most fun. And so I think that is something for others to keep in mind as uh, the, the timing, as far as the time of year to do those. Yeah, for sure. So I, we think retreats are important. We've kind of gotten them down to a science. Uh, just basically we have a template that we follow and we just mix and match activities and learning opportunities within there, mix and match leaders to help present and provide a lot of food and snacks. And so that's, that's really, you know, kind of what our retreats are made of and make I mean, really just make a huge impact for team members, not only for just interpersonal relationships, but also for understanding their why of being, you know, in the organization. Okay. Because I'm an accountant um, in some parts of my day, what do you say an appropriate budget is for a retreat? And I know that we've spanned the gamut as far as like low cost to high cost. So let's say, outside of the opportunity costs that exist because you've got a room full of people that are not doing client or customer work, what would you say kind of a minimum spend? How much, how much could you get a retreat done for if I gave it to you? 
Okay, Th that's not a fair question because I could do it for very, very cheap and it would still be awesome because I was a teacher and we had no budget to do our whole year of teaching. And so that that's probably not realistic for most people. And it's so relative based on size of your team. And so I would say the cost of providing breakfast, lunch, and door prizes. So whatever that might look like, um, you know, if you typically spend $100 on breakfast, $200 on lunch, and let's say 50 to $100 on door prizes, that would probably be your minimum. So I don't know, maybe four to $500, depending on your team size. If you have a very small team, obviously that cost would be way, way less. Um, but I, I would say you, you could easily, and that's people walking away with stuff and you've provided breakfast and lunch for them. So easily 500 or less. Okay. That's good. Um, and so then for upwards, next, right? This, yes. Our next budget, limit. you only need $500, right? So our team is so big now. I don't even, I don't even know that we can feed people. You for just that. said you can do it. Um, but, uh, yes. Potluck. We can totally, we, we can do your own it. lunch. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. The thing that I enjoy, I enjoy spending time with people and I, I enjoy spending money on them, you know, honestly. And so I, I like buying people lunch and I like buying them door prizes that are cool and fun and, you know, that are better than just some crap they're going to throw away at the end of the day. So, um, you know, you, you try to make it worth it and show your appreciation during that time. So, I think that's part of it to keep in mind whenever you're building out a budget for a retreat. Obviously, if you're bringing in like a speaker for one of those sessions, um, I think you could probably plan on $500 to $1,000, depending on who that is. And maybe you already have a coach or a mentor or somebody that will speak. Um, but if they're willing to do it, you still have to give them some type of gift or compensation or something for uh, giving up of their time. So anywhere from 500 up, you know, I, I think that's the good thing. If you need to rent a venue, um, thankfully we have an office that we can do it in that that's another big thing that it gets people out of their element. And so since most people don't work in, in the office here on a daily basis, they don't like, they, they don't filter back to their office space and go sit back in front of their machine and then forget that we were doing a retreat that day. It's totally a, a different space than what they're used to. So if you do work in an office, it probably makes more sense to go somewhere different. Um, maybe switch an office with one of your clients or your friends and, you know, trade for the day or something. But, um, but I think there are different ways to be budget, budget friendly retreats. So I think that's another good, um, thing to knock down. And then maybe, maybe the other pro tip there is to start lowest budget and maybe yeah. work up and don't like go over the top extreme for your first retreat, because then it will be expectation maybe that you meet that year after year. So yeah. careful how you start those. If you plan to have the same team members attending those year after year. Yeah. I really want to go on another trip and, um, yeah. <laughs> Well, so, do you remember our very first retreat was actually in Houston and we did like the Rockets game 
at night in a suite and it was really, really amazing and uh, did hotel rooms for everybody and then did also the conference room there at the hotel. Hotel provided all the food and everything for us during the day. Yeah. It was top notch. <laughs> so we, we started off pretty big. Um, it's, we've and we also had years. a... We had another retreat where we went to a country club. I was not a member of the country club. It was somebody else in the firm. And we went to that country club and, and used one of their um, meeting rooms or eating rooms, whatever you want to call it. And that was a cool retreat. Everybody at, at that one, that was really nice. And that was a different one. It's kind of harder to remember some of them. But we spent part of the day kind of learning. And then there was a spa day for those that wanted to do spa. I think there was golf for those that wanted to do golf, but I think most people just did spa. Um, I think I got roped into working in the afternoon. I don't even know what happened. So, um, but that one was a cool one. And so if you have a country club at your disposal, that's something else that may be an option uh, as you're trying to think through locations and what may work best. Yeah, well, this has been fun. One of my favorite things to plan and be part of. And so, um, yeah, there there are people out there who can help plan retreats. I love planning retreats. Uh, so if you have that person, I my go-to is always look within your organization. Do you have people that can do this before you look at, okay, who can we pay to do this? Um, I just think that it it's more likely to happen, more authentic uh, if you choose people within your organization, especially if they have a passion or a talent for doing it. Well, cool. Well, that's all things retreat. Um, you know, you're definitely the best person when it comes to that conversation. So thanks for bestowing your wisdom upon all of us. Is there anything else to leave people with other than just the encouragement to do it? Yeah, just the encouragement to do it. Do it. Um, do it low budget, do it, uh, do it messy. Do, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just setting aside the time and space to be together with your team, uh, is, is worth the time, uh, that it, you know, the time that it might cost the actual budget that it might take. Uh, it's just worth it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much and, uh, look forward to the next conversation. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. If you have thoughts, comments, or feedback you would like to share, please leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.